This episode is brought to you by Levo. Simple, potent, at-home herbal infusions at the push of a button. Learn more at levooil.com and feed your enthusiasm. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L dot com. Hello and welcome to Why Food, a podcast about entrepreneurs, innovators, and career changers. I'm your lone co-host this week, Ethan Frisch, and I'm joined by a couple of really exciting guests, people I've gotten to know over the last few years, working with them uh, through my company, Burlap and Barrel, but uh, I've just been so taken with their aesthetic sense uh, and their ability to photograph food in in such surprising and, and unexpected and beautiful ways. Um, Sebastian Arguello and Guillermo Obies are the co-founders of the Soga Design Collective. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. Let's just dive right in. Uh, What is Soga and how did you come to start the company? Well, Soga in a nutshell is a design studio. Um, We came together because aside, well, we're married, um, so we're life partners. and. and I think for a while we've always kind of like had fun working together and just coming up with ideas and it just life just pushed us to a to a place where we're like you know what let's just let's see what it's like to uh work together and and start up a fun studio and that's exactly what we did and then gave birth to Soga Design Collective and what what would you say to somebody who um, hasn't seen your photo I mean actually a lot of people probably have seen your photography without realizing it uh, especially in the food world, but what would you? How would you describe your style or your aesthetic to somebody who isn't familiar with it? We're definitely unconventional. Um, we've always um, had this kind of mentality where we approach projects from a very askew angle. Um, it, it, it's it's so it, it's kind of like our, our background wasn't technically in food. We were all. I, I personally was uh, an architect before I got in b- behind the lens. So I have a, a very just kind of designed um, core uh, in with with how I do work. Um, so that's kind of basically infiltrated itself into photography. I've seen photography kind of like a, a medium and I consider myself more of an artist. And um, that's how I kind of I've been approaching food and photography since we started uh, back in 2008. Um, this was initially just a hobby of mine. and. It, it turned into something that I, I, I absolutely enjoy and, and it's been the driving force for us ever since. We, uh, we, we talk to a lot of career changers on this podcast and, and it's always so interesting to hear how people make that decision, right? To go from uh, a potentially stable, lucrative career in architecture and, and follow a passion into photography or, or in you know, lots of other cases, lots of other things. Um, how how did you how did you make that decision? How did you know that this was what you wanted to be doing? Well, that's it's it's weird because it it, it was completely unexpe- unexpected to to be honest. Um, I we're, we're originally from Miami, and I graduated like in two thousand and six. Worked for a couple of years as a project manager at a design firm in Miami, and once the economy hit, it was a two thousand and nine two thousand and ten where it was very difficult to find work in design period. Like there wasn't any construction and, and it, it kind of forced us to kind of make decisions um, as to, you know, what do we do now if we can't do, we can't make things work here in Miami. And it pushed us to New York City. 
and New York City started just this wild ride of you know you know what, what's going to happen tomorrow, what do we do, and and I think um, Guillermo could talk more about it, but uh, we 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 went back down to our our basics and and what we know and what we're comfortable, what, what ultimately what makes us happy, and that's design. Um, so we just we just bunkered down, you know, got to the core and just kind of pushed forward. Get so in. In, in about 2000, I think 2008 is when the economy crashed and Sebastian and I both had what we considered at the time uh, our, our dream jobs. Um, while I was in college, I was a big fan of an ad agency called La Comunidad in Miami Beach um, and I applied to them various times, didn't get in and then I finally got in and worked there for about a year and a half and then when the economy tanked, I was let go. Sebastian was a project manager at a design firm and serendipitously, if you will, was uh, let go at exactly the same time. Uh, and for a while, we really didn't know what we were going to do. And we came up in 2010 to visit a friend of ours in New York. Um, we had come up for a concert or something and Sebastian and I kind of had one of these conversations late night where it was like, you know, what are we doing with our lives? There's no movement in Miami. We're, we're talking about late night. The, the day before I'm supposed to board the plane. Yeah, now, we're not. This isn't a discussion that was going on for a while. This is like, hey, where? Uh, this is the situation. What are we gonna do? What like, are we gonna do about it? I yeah. love it. So, uh, so uh, uh, the friend who we were staying with kind of overheard us uh, in that conversation. Was like, hey, you have a place to stay if you need it. So, Sebastian stayed behind in New York, never came back, and I came back. I basically, you know, organized ourselves so we could move, and then we finally moved in uh, fall of 2010. And Soga had actually been incorporated in 2008, and we really hadn't had any kind of traction. You know, nothing was really happening. And New York was really what opened, you know, all of the doors for us. Uh, specifically, there was an e-commerce website called fab.com. I was hired early on at the inception of the company as their first art director. And um, as soon as I saw an opportunity, I brought Sebastian in. And Sebastian had a little bit of formal training in photography, but as he said before, it was more of a hobby. And he kind of hit the ground running. He is the one that uh, created their whole photography department. Uh, he was the one in charge completely of, of what all the visuals online photography adjacent look like. And we worked at Fab for about a year, year and a half, and Fab went under, unfortunately. But when it went under, the nice thing was everyone that worked at Fab was really closely knit, and everyone that kind of dispersed and you know went into different uh, you know corners of the of the e-market world, if you will, um, basically you know reached out to us and you know continued uh, hiring Sebastian for some freelance projects. I started doing some design projects, and then. At some point, um, we realized that we could basically make this work. And then Baldor Specialty Foods was really, um, you know, paramount in really opening that final door where, you know, uh, it sucks to say, but unfortunately, unless you have a big name behind you, most people don't trust you. And once we had the big name of Baldor behind us, then, you know, the rest is the rest is history. And luckily, we've been able to to what Sebastian said before, you know, work day in and day out on things that we love, um, specifically in the corner of food, which is not the be all end all for us. I would like to continue trying to, you know, diversify, but in terms of what we've been really successful at in New York has been, you know, the food scene. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the photography that you guys did for Baldor. Um, 
which was was so striking for a couple of reasons. One, because it was it was much more artistic than than I would have expected from a, a company like Baldor that tends to be pretty no nonsense. Um, but also, it's so different from the standard uh, style of food photography that you see everywhere on Instagram, on restaurant websites, on on CPG food company websites. You just you took food and presented it in a way that nobody else in that world was was presenting it. So I, I wanted to hear a little more about how you came up with that aesthetic, uh, how you actually shot those photos and, and what the response was like. So I, I guess I'll take the lead in uh, talking about, you know, uh, why I think we were successful at Baldor, kind of uh, touching upon the points that you just said. Uh, the cool thing about working with Baldor is that when we joined Baldor in, I believe, 2014 or 2015, they really weren't even online yet, which uh, uh, at, at the time was kind of a moment of like, what the hell's going on here? So, you know, there wasn't a website, there wasn't anything. And what was nice is that when we were first brought on, uh, we were basically given the reins to do whatever we wanted, uh, which unfortunately that kind of uh, cadence uh, was stripped from us as the years passed. But um, in the beginning, it was very much like, um, here's the product, you know, you guys can do whatever you want with it. And I think what was lucky for us is that since we were writing what I consider the collective consciousness, um, not including food, we basically took, you know, everything that that we love in design and integrated it into Baldor and into its products. And we really didn't treat food, you know, as food because it wasn't really something that we were used to working with. You know, uh, the idea was, you know, I'm not going to shoot this apple in a basket. Like, let's objectify this apple and shoot her as though she were a tube of lipstick that was going to hang in some sort of promo flat, you know, at the storefront, you know, at the store of a Sephora or something like that. You yeah, know? I think I think the one thing with Baldur that allowed us to kind of be a, a little bit more experimental was that Baldur didn't isn't a isn't a company that was A to C. I mean, A to B. It's A to C. They sell to you know restaurants and chefs and people of the business. You know, so what I, the mentality that I had coming into um, Baldur was like. How do I present this in such a way that isn't going to tell the chef, hey, this is an apple, this is what you do with it? Because they know. Uh, and instead, I kind of presented it as more of like a color or uh, or some kind of object that they could use in, in food. Like I personally have always been um, just kind of in food just because I love it, I love to eat. I, I Ever since I was, a, I was a kid, I used to watch a show called in Discovery Channel where um, it was called the best chefs from America or something like that, where it was like a, a an appetizer, a main dish, and a dessert where they would kind of cook it and plate it, and I, I I enjoyed that so much, and I and I kind of went back to that, thinking like, how do I how do I give this to someone to visually see and be like, hey, that's a beautiful uh, color apple. One might use this in my pie, or you know, these are these are these are these are vegetables are just so well made and they're just beautiful. How do I put these in my plate? And I think that ultimately led us and gave us kind of that free reign to to do and objectify these ob these 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 items as objects and present them more artistically um, to the chef because I, I feel like chefs are food artists in in a way you know you get to eat it and enjoy it visually so that's how it, it gave me a little more wiggle room in that sense and it was accepted you know it was accepted very well. Um, it also helped out that you know the 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 guy that kind of um, he worked at me with at, at Fab. He was a food um, buyer at Fab, 
then he became the the marketing guy at Baldor. He kind of knew what what I was uh, what I was capable of at Fab, and I guess again, Fab was you know just an online market of anything and everything that you could possibly think of going on sale. So I had a plethora of different objects to shoot up. So I kind of had that rhythm already. So it was just kind of you know putting it into food, and it was it was very well received to the point that you know we just they kind of let us do our thing, and and I mean for a creative person that means the world to us like here's the here's what we have to do with there isn't a brief just have fun with it and that's exactly what we did we had fun with it and one thing that should be mentioned was you know uh you can only kind of uh, i don't know draw a rainbow with you know the colors that you're given and the beautiful thing about working with Baldor was that, you know, uh, in terms of colors, they were, you know, never ending. You know, it wasn't that we had one green apple that we were, you know, tasked to shoot. No, we had 50 apples. Some of them inside were green. Some of them inside were pink. So, you know, uh, the fact that there was such a variety to kind of uh, to kind of play with, I think, also was paramount in really creating beautiful imagery that really had hadn't been seen before because again we were shooting it in ways where food hadn't been approached and items that usually you know a to b you know usually joe schmo isn't picking this up at Publix. you know you would have to get it through you know a third party that specializes in, in these products and, such I, do, as and I do want to say another good really good point was the fact that you know food is seasonal so every single season we would come every single month it would be a brand new you know fresh product on the table for us to kind of play with and it kind of it, it was it, it was kind of like a mental exercise. Every single day we got in and we just kind of like pumped weights by creating stuff that we've never seen before, we've never tasted before, and and that also opened up me myself for um, becoming a better food photographer, just because I was exposed to so many different things, so many different vendors, so many different farmers, so many people, so many different people that are in the back end of what you you know what you don't see at the supermarket you go to the supermarket and things are just kind of like on the shelves and you pick it up and you go but you know there's there's an entire world behind that shelf and um we were lucky to kind of see the gamut we were we were lucky to see behind the curtain and we were lucky above everything else to to kind of have that free reign with as Guillermo said like that that you know that super jumbo box of Crayola crayons as opposed to the eight that you get at kindergarten you know yeah, that's awesome. I want I want to talk a little more about that and and how your aesthetics, how your f- photography style has developed. But uh, we're going to take a quick break before we do. Stay with us. We'll be back in two minutes. This episode is brought to you by Levo, the world's most intelligent at home infuser. It's super easy to use to make infusions for cooking, candies, cosmetics, and herbal medicines. When the box showed up, I was excited to try it out as I've heard good things about the machine. It looks like a space-age coffee maker on the counter, and having it out makes me want to infuse everything. I've got plans for the hot peppers on my counter and the sage I picked from the garden for the first freeze last week, along with some other choice herbs and spices. I think everyone on my list is going to get infused oils this year. So far, I've used it for cannabis, basil, and orange peel-infused oils and butter. The machine even has dry and activate functions for the highest potency and stability in your infusions. And you can connect through Wi-Fi to track your progress and record your recipes and share with the Levo community. Learn more at levooil.com. That's L-E-V-O-O-I-L.com. And we're back. You're listening to Why Food, and my guests this week are Sebastian and Guillermo, co-founders of the Soga Design Collective. Um, 
Over the course of the years that you've been taking pictures of food and taking kind of atypical pictures of food, how would you say that your your style has changed? Where did where did you start, and uh, where are you today? Um, I think the way that it's changed, uh, or the way that it's evolved, um, has a has almost been backwards, if you will, meaning, you know, I, I, I feel as though when we first started working with food, there was a certain hesitation because uh, we weren't sure, you know, how it would land both with Baldor and with the vendors uh, that we were creating content for through Baldor. And once we, once we kind of saw the excitement that, you know, uh, shooting things in a non-conventional way could kind of uh, create, I think if anything, it anchored us in really again, staying away from, you know, the food world and really, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I always have my eye on what's happening, you know, in food in terms of, you know, photography and in trend. But, you know, once we started with Baldur and with a couple of clients afterwards, also including Burlap and Barrel, it was one of these things where, you know, we kind of should keep pushing, you know, uh, swimming upstream, if you will, and kind of not, you know, just becoming part of uh, what is done in food to not only just stick out, but to, tr you know, to basically create imagery that hasn't been created before. So if anything, it, the, the past, I would say five, six years have kind of, uh, we've kind of almost like uh, worked backwards where when we first got to New York, for me, as, as somebody who is truly a Floridian in every sense of the word, well, not every sense, but in every sense of the word in terms of, you know, color, saturation, uh, almost like a too much, uh, just too much, if you will. Um, that idea when we first got to New York, you know, I kind of tried extrapolating that from our aesthetic because I saw that New York was black and white. I saw that it was very serious. It was very rigid. And then if anything, working with Bowder made me realize that the reason we're so successful in both New York and the food scene at large is because we come from a background that isn't, again, adjacent to New York. You know, we we bring in, you know, um, a lot of vivacious, you know, uh, kind of lighting and coloring, which is is something that is very much on trend now, shooting stuff on, you know, brightly colored backgrounds, the whole nine. But specifically in the food sector, that wasn't really something that was being used. Now it's being used, you know, a little bit too much. If anything, we're really kind of trying to figure out what's next for us, because I feel as though the photography that we did five years ago now is emulated, you know, every day more and more. Um, but again, the, the, I feel the way that we've evolved has kind of been, again, once again, backwards in, sense, in the sense of like, we moved to New York, we thought we would have to kind of reinvent ourselves and almost kind of mold ourselves to what the aesthetic was, you know, in the city and in Brooklyn. And instead we realized, you know, uh, I, I don't know, when, when I was working at Bowser one time, somebody showed me a magazine that we had produced and they were like, wow, you can take the girl out of Miami, but you can't take the Miami out of the girl. And that I've kind of run with that. And I've, I've I, and, and that even goes beyond just the aesthetic, but you know, it, it kind of, you know, uh, is part of like our, um, our DNA, you know, like, you know, not so like sad and black and grumpy. It should be like more like poppy and happy and sunny, if you will. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to to make the city come to you and and meet you at your style rather than uh, changing your style to meet the city. Yeah, exactly. it's 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 about disrupting disrupting things a little bit. It's about kind of, um, I don't know. It's about you know giving someone something a little bit different to kind of be like, hey, well, what what was that? You know, and, and I think that 
and we, even that's gonna always be at our core. I think we've all we're always going to try to, um, you know, kind of come in and explore, you know, the what ifs and and you know maybe the, the, this no idea is ever too crazy, um, because it's a matter of trying things out and I think you know dialing back and making sure that it fits. Because at the end of the day, you know, it could be a beautiful picture, but at, at the same time, it still needs to be functional. We work in an an e-commerce, and you know, at the end of the day, the 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 idea is to sell and and get people excited about whatever whatever it is that you're selling. So it, it's about you know seeing seeing the box, and which was New York, and being like, this is just a regular box. Let's just make it vibrant yellow and put you know, something that, that uh, a, a sticker that doesn't belong and, and people will be like, hey, what's this? And, you know, get get their attention, but still have something very formalized and very structured and still, you know, it, it needs to function. It, it, uh, this, these pictures have to function in the in, in the world. So I think that's where we're like, and how we're kind of evolving is being able to strike that perfect balance between you know what people are accustomed to, and how you disrupt that that preconceived notion of what things are supposed to be like. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, and and you know, you've mentioned a couple of times already taking pictures of food as if it wasn't food, sort of changing people's expectations of what food should look like. Could could you talk a little bit more about that? What does it mean? to take a picture of food as if it's something else? Or what does it mean to take a picture of food as if it is food? How does that, how do you, how does a photographer uh, make that shift? And, and how does somebody who's looking in that picture experience those two styles differently? Um, I think it, I think it comes down to trying to uh, extrapolate the, the item from what you've um, normally uh, can see it as. Instead of seeing an apple, you see color instead of seeing um, a sauce you see texture instead of seeing um, instead of seeing what it, it what something is you see the potential what it, it, it could be and I think that's where we've kind of started pushing the the food out of its out of its that that produce realm and into something a little bit more um, artsy um, it, like Guillermo kind of touched on it before it, it's like Photographing, um, a, you know, a piece of uh, a kale like if it was uh, a Chanel lipstick, and and it makes it a little more precious. It puts it in a light that you don't normally see it, and you can really look at the object and admire its 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 beauty. Because I mean, it, we, it, in, in reference to food, like food is a beautiful thing. Like it's just a beautiful object. Everything has it. it it's a plant. It's very unique. It, it has. All these wonderful, like little nuances and things that make it completely different. Even farmers that you know spend their lives creating a, a, a different kind of pepper. Like, you know, what is it about this pepper that makes it cool? The size, the texture, the color, and you take it. You take that object from what it what it is and what you what you think it's supposed to be. Like, let's say for example, a pepper. Yeah, whatever. You chop up a pepper and you put it in your in your pan for a sofrito. But you don't need to treat it as such, you know. You could you could grab that pepper and and light it and and treat it and and give it its own its own kind of like soapbox to like you know excite you the way it does. And I, I mean, 
it touches again food touches upon you know it, it's 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 who we are we we eat we like food's always around us and we always have a, you know a, an emotional connection with food so it's about kind of taking those emotions and 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 extrapolating them and then and then just making it like you said before you have a preconceived notion of what an apple is but why not do something kind of different with it you know like there's i've seen wonderful things of like jewelry makers make uh jewelry that is reminiscent of you know what vegetables look like or, or and and that's the idea it's it's to kind of just you don't you wouldn't think of uh, uh, you know certain things in certain in certain locations and i think that's where we kind of push our 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 food aesthetic and that's how we've gotten to where we we are now and and i would also like to add it's also about putting things under the microscope um again uh, i i I haven't been a foodie all my life but you know as far back as i can remember for the most part you used to see what plated food looked like you used to see the end result and the bts the behind the scenes if you will i feel as though is what is making people excited now you know sure the pie can look really lovely at the end but if you give me a really beautiful kind of you know architectural image of all of those components beforehand you know there's something really beautiful about seeing the process and about seeing kind of no different than you know kind of a, a chemist would you know what i mean where it's like you know this is the solution that i created but let me kind of give you a case study on all of the elements that i combined together to make this and the reality is that going back to what sebastian was saying about you know shooting it as though it were a chanel lipstick if you will you know um a lot of times the shot of that tube of lipstick is much more beautiful than what that lipstick will ever look like on someone's face or in their hand so it's kind of uh it's kind of adding that aspirational element to food you know where you know you see an orange and you're just like wow it's a gorgeous circular orange thing you know and really giving no thought to actually what's going to happen after you eat it or after it's used in a dish but you know kind of just observing it you know no different than you would you know an eagle in the sky i yeah. mean that, that's a bit much but you got what i'm saying yeah and to draw like a comparison like for when when we started working with you guys burlap and barrel like i mean i saw the spices and i it, whatever it's their spices but it's the color it's the texture it was all these like these just these things that you're just you, it's it's a new light on 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 something that you've seen all your life but all of a sudden like this turmeric you know has is a yellow that I've never seen before so it's very very exciting in that sense and that's how that's an example of how like we would see an object which is a spice and then turn it in and photograph it in a way that you know it looks more like a it looks like powder in your in your in your compact and not powder that you're going to cook with and that's how you know that's how you kind of manipulate things to to not be what you expect them to be but put them in in a completely different light yeah um would you do you have any advice for uh food entrepreneurs who are thinking about how to present their products i mean you obviously you mentioned earlier the the need to even as you're having these these creating these incredible uh images the need to have it be practical and represent something that's going to be sold so how how would you approach or how would you recommend somebody approach finding that balance? The balance is hard to find because it's almost cut like a it's almost a, a thing of you know form versus function and vice versa. Uh, unfortunately, I'm always on you know does it look great? It doesn't really matter if it if it works or if it doesn't. 
Um, and, and one thing that I will say to that and, and to, you know, uh, and anyone kind of starting in the food sector, I think that in terms of landing on which side uh, of the road you need to be with your aesthetics, it has to do a lot with who you're ultimately presenting them to, who the ultimate, you know, who the end user is. And who you are and who you are as a chef. I think, I think what, what, you know, what is is successful in any in any in any anywhere in any profession is to kind of be who you are and and, and bring your own flavor to things because i think that's what makes things unique you know we're all different we're all unique we all have a vision uh, like a vision and, and and we all have you know our past experiences in our lives that have shaped us to where we are now who we are who we are today and how we think see things in life so i think it's very important that you know you 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 everyone sprinkle their own self in there like be personable be you know show everybody who you are as as a, a chef as a as an instagrammer as an artist be your own person but be conscious also of who your 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 demographic is who is going to be seeing your your food that also like your images that's going to you know make you a little more sensitive to you know the things that people are looking for or or help you maybe strike a note with with a certain um, a certain group of people, or 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 whatever whatever it may be. Be yourself, but also know your audience. And um, especially in the food scene right now, everything's to everything seems to be truly homogenized in terms of you know uh, aesthetic and design, and I would even say you know uh, label design and such. And it's really about, I would say, trying to stray away from that and really just kind of, might sound cliche, but really putting your own stamp uh, on what you're doing, whether that's through the way that you actually style the food that's being plated, whether it's through the saturation of the image, whether it's through the lighting. Uh, it, it's just about kind of not, uh, again, not uh, falling into the pit that that everyone does where it's like well you know sweet greens looks great today so everyone in salads everyone has to look like sweet greens and you know uh that's that's the death when everything just starts looking the same yeah yeah for sure and and you both do that so well of sort of acknowledging the the current trends but also um finding a unique and and creative way to present them um, let's do a little rapid fire or semi-rapid fire. It always winds up uh, not being as rapid as uh, we imagine it's going to be. Um, and then we'll wrap up the interview. Uh, why don't we start with, uh, if you were, if each of you was a fruit or a vegetable, what, what fruit or vegetable would you be? Mm, I'll be a tomato because then I could be in both, in both categories <laughs> and no one would ever question me. <laughs> what 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 do you feel like a tomato um, represents that uh, that you relate to? It's it's kind of like a little more. It, it's it's ambiguous. It like you know everyone could argue it's a vegetable, but it's created in the stem of in the pistil of flowers, so it's more of a fruit. So it, there's a lot of debate as to where it is, where it's from, but who cares? It's 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 gonna be a really delicious tomato. So who, who what? What does it? What does it? What does it matter? Who, what it identifies as? At the end of the day, that sucker is going to taste really good with a little vinegar and salt. So that's why I. That's why I say tomato, just because it it, it could be I anything, it. and it could you know you could be a tomato, you could be you could be that's, sauce, you know. It, it's it's everything that's awesome. and nothing at the same time. Yeah, I don't even think I can like follow up there. One because <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to dive into my brain and you know think about just one. 
But I, I guess I'm just going to leave it at um, raspberries. And specifically because raspberries are the perfect tonality between red and magenta. And because they photograph so beautifully since they're basically like, you know, like bubbles upon bubbles upon bubbles. So in, in any work that I can, I always try to capture as many highlights as I can. And anytime you're shooting berries, again, specifically raspberries, they just, they look fucking magical. Part of my French. That's awesome. Um, how about uh, your favorite kitchen tool? If you if you had to live the rest of your life with only one kitchen tool, what would it be? Hmm. Jesus. Um, a good yeah. knife. A really good knife. Like, I, I cook. Like, Guillermo does not cook. <laughs> I cook. Way to so throw him under the in bus. In my kitchen, yeah, no, it's just, it, it's, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to even, like, skit around it. I cook. Guillermo doesn't do anything. He makes coffee <laughs> in the morning. Um, so a really, really, really ridiculously good knife is almost essential. Everything else you could get away with. But a good, if, like, yeah, a good knife would be would be my, my choice. Um... I, I really, really like tiny spoons, really tiny spoons that you could like, you know, like use to like stir like sugar into espresso like that. That's my thing. Those tiny little spoons. What's what's the tiniest spoon that, that you would uh, be open to using? Uh, it would have at least three inches. Three inches sounds good. All right. In terms of length. <laughs> Um, how about uh, what was what was a common like uh, breakfast or lunch at home when you were both growing up? Um, so breakfast, unfortunately, and my mom's not going to listen to this, so I can throw her under the table. My mom wasn't really um, that health conscious, so I think for the vast majority of my life, uh, you know, teenager, adolescent, I think I was having Lucky Charms every single day for breakfast. I would say on Sundays, on Sundays it was almost ritual for in in my in my household. Every Sunday morning, we would have a family breakfast, and that was like a fried egg. Um, we're Hispanic, so there's beans on the table, there's cheese on the table, avocado on the table. Um, my dad would always have uh, huevos lancheros, which is eggs with uh, like onions, peppers, and tomatoes. But uh, but yeah, breakfast. Like my my rem like memory of breakfast is that two fried eggs, some fried beans, some hard um, like Central American white cheese, and an avocado. Sounds amazing. Sebastian just Sebastian just made my answer, you know, that much more worse. I was trying to be very real, you know, and unfiltered and almost trashy, if you will, with the Lucky Charms <laughs> comment, and Sebastian just went ahead and did me in. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, Lucky Charms is what most teenagers think they want to be eating, but what they actually want to be eating is huevos rancheros and cheese and avocado. Oh my god! I didn't find that. I didn't. I didn't find that out until I was much, much, much. Until older. I started, <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, well, guys, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad we got to do this. Uh, where can our listeners find your work, get in touch with you, uh, hire you to take pictures of, of the food products that they make and sell? So the website is sogadesigncollective.com. Uh, don't judge. She is in the middle of an update, so there's not that much stuff on there. And then uh, the same on Instagram. It's Soga Design Collective. And uh, as you can obviously see some of their gorgeous photography of our spices on our website, Burlap and Barrel. You can follow me via my spice company, Burlap and Barrel, at Burlap and Barrel on Instagram. You can follow Valerie on social media at Foodie in New York. You can follow us, the podcast, at Why Food Podcast uh, on social and get in touch by email, whyfood at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Thanks to our amazing sound engineer, Jess Krenjic. Thanks to the Red Crickets for our theme song, Blind. And most of all, Sebastian Guillermo, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. It thank, was fun. Thank you so very kindly, Ethan, for having us. You guys and for everything. Yeah, <laughs> for everything. You guys have been so great to us. Thanks. See you all next week. Why Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage.